Welcome to Geeks and Jocks Podcast. Welcome back to Geeks and Jocks, episode 72. This is Ryan Sullivan. So thank you for um, listening in the early hours of this recording. April 20th, 2021, 420 day for a lot of stoners out there. <laughs> um... Before we get going in this episode, uh, this podcast is on Anchor.fm. You can also find it on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and Breaker. So head on down to those sites if you want some good old podcast fun. So definitely a lot of stuff to talk about, including the uh, Derek Chauvin trial. We're talking about the media a little bit in regards to the trial and some other stuff, including the uh, expose of CNN talk about the retirement of Alex Smith, some baseball stuff, a little bit of the box office, I believe, King, not King Kong, uh, Kong vs. Godzilla is number one again, so people are, you know, despite the pandemic still going, and talk about uh, PlayStation and Nintendo, some big news especially for PlayStation, so... Anyway, uh, I guess we'll begin with the uh, Chauvin trial. So, um, just to reiterate, uh, Derek Chauvin on trial for the death of George Floyd. That happened almost a year ago. It's been about almost 11 months since since that happened. And trial's been going for, I think, the last couple weeks. And there was no decision on a verdict on, I believe it was... Murder 2 and Murder 3 and I think Manslaughter if convicted altogether he spends 40 years in prison maybe more depending on what is going on and you know I listened, I've listened a little bit in recent weeks just because I just think it's hilarious how much of a of a circus it is just and to hear stuff about, you know, like drugs and Floyd. So it it paints a narrative that maybe what we saw is not as cut and dry compared to the video that is constantly seen on the news and in the media. And, you know, it creates this idea. And I've also been listening a little bit to this um, show called Timcast IRL from a liberal called his name is Tim Poole, just get that out of the way, you know, he may be liberal, but, but he, he does not like the way the media is now these days, he does not care for CNN, he does not care for MSNBC, Fox News, or any of that, he wants the truth to be told, but he doesn't care for how they approach the truth, and they rather would skew things, and all this other crap. I digress, though. So anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, there's stuff about, you know, the the girlfriend of Floyd talking about the drug dealer, um, Maurice Lester Hall. That was like the beginning part of the when the trial began and about supplying drugs to Floyd and uh, Hall pleading the fifth. Just so he could, because he could potentially be ousted as the guy that may have killed Floyd. So, I don't know. They they did not come up with a verdict, as I said. 
and it probably creates a very, very scary scenario for Minneapolis. So scary that the potential of the National Guard coming in from, like, Biden and several other, you know, from what I've read, and bringing in additional cops from other states. I mean, it's it's really, really scary. And this comes off the heels of the, uh, uh, the Dante Wright shooting that occurred uh, a little over a week ago and which also happened in Minneapolis around Minneapolis uh, Brooklyn Center I believe and uh, the thing in Chicago with the 13 year old uh, Adam Toledo so there's already stuff on the rise and people rioting and protesting now the right thing it traffic stopped escalated and uh there was some stuff regarding uh, Wright and being a criminal, stuff like robbery and holding a holding a person at gunpoint, and the officer pulling out her gun instead of a taser. It just you know very unfortunate. Not that I agree. Not that I'm saying that the Wright guy deserved to die, but it just really bad for for both for the cop you know so I don't know see what happens with that but it definitely creates a really bad scenario and it's that bad when it gets even more scarier with uh, California representative uh, Maxine Waters who has been pretty controversial over the last uh, couple of years with her stances on like stuff like the Trump administration and saying some really nasty things a few years ago in and how people should treat the Trump administration. But here's the thing, Trump ain't here anymore. He's been gone for three months. So what excuse does she have? But here's the thing now, and this actually got the attention of the judge of the Chauvin trial and this came after after uh, from what I understand attempts for a mistrial because of st- stuff being said outside the court and just so basically Waters was saying if anything less than a anything that isn't a guilty verdict and that people should get more confrontational. Now, that does not mean she wants to see more violence, but with the way it can be construed, in a, concerning how she acts at times, it could be looked at that way. And it bothered the judge, uh, Peter Kale, to where it's like, this should not dic- these type of people should not dictate how this trial ends, in a way, even though he uh, denied the defense a mistrial motion. Yeah, it, it, it is dangerous, and I and I think there's there's no win-win situation for for Minneapolis. I've said this a couple times over the last month. There is no win-win, um, but I think it creates an extra fear among uh, those jurors they probably try their best to avoid anything relating to like 
the news talking about the trial and it, it, it must scare the crap out of all those jurors and it must scare the crap out of Kale and the defense in, in Chauvin because there was there was some stuff I, 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 I read recently where there were people who went after a witness I believe like through like pig blood at them. That's what I that's what I read from some off from some person that posted a thing on a message board. Like like what do you like what are you trying to do? Intimidation it, it, you're you're only gonna cause even more trouble and create more fear for those people because what happens if if Chauvin gets acquitted of all these uh, of all these charges, and the way the media is, and especially places like CNN, they 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 believe that he'll be guilty, and they skew things. And this is the case with any news network, by the way. I mean, I'm no expert on lawyers or any of that type of stuff, but at the same time, here's what I'll say with these news networks: they'll do anything to fit their agendas, especially something like a CNN. Uh, I don't get why, I mean, wouldn't people be satisfied with, like, a partial verdict? I mean, it can happen. The only thing that comes to my mind on a partial verdict is the, uh, the, the 2002 Denzel Washington movie, John Q. Uh, there'll definitely be some spoilers here for this one, but he, he takes a hospital hostage because of his son not getting a new heart, and the costs of um, getting one. Uh, eventually, he, they do get one, but he is put on trial because it became a big news story. Uh, cops involved, SWAT, I believe, are involved. And if I remember correctly, he gets acquitted of two of the charges, but is found guilty on, on a third one. I, I think even if you were to have acquittal, I don't think... I don't think a partial verdict would satisfy the the angry mob that that sees this stuff. All, you know, in fact, I I have a bad feeling if if stuff were to be acquitted or if there is a hung jury, which could happen, I could see it happening because is there really any any definite proof Floyd died? from Chauvin's knee. It may not have been the best procedure. I would agree. It's That put him in a really bad situation. But was it really his knee? Or was it because of drugs? Is there is there evidence to show that that it was not it was not murder? I think it's going to be very hard to really figure out. And I'm sure by the time the verdict comes out, you'll see potentially either a ton of riots in some of the big cities or maybe some small stuff here and there in specific places, and that's it. I don't know. I just, you know, I, you know, hope for the safety of, of the jury, the judge, and everybody involved in this court case because I could see it happening if... 
if acquitted or hung jury, people will go after them. People will try to burn their houses or kill them or any of that type of shit. That that's just it's unfortunate if it will if it if it does happen. And this kind of ties a little bit with how, uh, you know, like I said, with the news media, how about an expose? Just to move it, move into that. So CNN actually got exposed recently over this past week uh, regarding how they uh, do things. So this was done by a. By a, by a website called Project, excuse me, Project Veritas, and about it was involved like a technical director of CNN, not knowing he was being recorded while being on a date with a woman, and basically saying that they created these false narratives to to get. Donald Trump out of office, and that's that's really bad. And just for a heads up, ratings, according to you know, to I think it was like Adweek and Fox News themselves, that the the news networks are struggling. Fox has survived quite a pretty well. Um, MSNBC has done reasonably well, but CNN has really, really struggled since Biden took over as president, and their ratings have been abysmal altogether. They had like a couple million on average during the last few months of Trump's presidency. Now it's gotten to the point where they're even, they're trying to get to one million, or just over a million. And their stuff from like Fox News reporting on one of their anchors, uh, Don Lemon, CNN anchors, Don Lemon, saying he's happy the ratings are dropping because they, because Trump is in office. That's not, that's not something I'd be happy about. Because ratings do dictate um, whether your show stays on the air or not. Now, in the cable sense, sure, I mean, for some networks, a million is good enough to um, to survive. There are some shows that continue to go on the air because of, because of that. Now, if it's something truly special, you might have some concerns if it drops a little bit, depending on what you are. And like, say for example, people keep getting more disappointed with The Walking Dead for cable standards it def- it defied expectations and did extremely well from a cable standpoint now that it's declined over the last couple of years and to add in the issues of cast members leaving uh, they, they've they're going to end the show pretty soon I believe it ends next year I believe so yeah, but back to back to the CNN thing. So this guy Charlie Custer basically talked about to this woman that 
like they they would create this narrative of trying to get Trump out of office and make him look like an unstable person. Which, if you want my honest opinion, I don't think Trump was truly that great of a president. But I feel like he did he didn't do as bad as I think people made him out to be. I think the last month of his presidency, he definitely made himself look much much worse. I wouldn't say he was horrible, but I wouldn't put him anywhere in like the top fifteen, top twenty presidents. But with CNN, it, 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 they try to create all this stuff about, oh, he's not fit enough to run the country. Uh, like, look at the COVID numbers, putting numbers up to to show how bad it's gotten. And just when there was stuff about, like, black on Asian crimes, they would ignore that stuff because it didn't fit the... Uh, Black Lives Matter narrative that had been happening all around that time, which lately I think it's died off a little bit, the whole stop Asian hate thing. I figured that was just a fad. I mean, that's something that shouldn't even be said. That's something you should stop all the time, stopping Asian hate. So, yeah. It's it's just, it's a damn shame. Let's see if I can find that LSU. Yeah, LSUrevealed.com did an opinion piece on it that, that where was it? Yeah, their focus was to get Trump out of office. So the whole COVID thing show the death toll, like I said. And O'Keefe uh, the James O'Keefe, who founded Veritas, actually got suspended from Twitter and is now looking to sue Twitter and CNN. I could see, I could see CNN going to Twitter and being, you know what, this guy is a bit of a nut. Let's let's see if we can ban him for good. And I, one, of, I think, from what I read, they said that he had, he was, he was going under multiple bots operating under multiple bots which that's uh, that's a bit sketchy to even to say that I mean I know there's been times um, over the last couple of years where there have been some pretty well known people that have lost uh, followers like, like they look at stuff and automated it and certain people the only name that comes to my mind is Ray Lewis, the Baltimore Raven linebacker. He lost his share of followers because I guess they were bots or something. I don't know. And but to operate under bots, I mean that's a little. I mean, is there proof? Or wherever the reason, I, I could see, I could see the guy winning, but I wouldn't hold my breath on it regarding the whole thing, but it just tells you how bad CNN has gotten over the last couple of months when you add in the controversies of Chris Cuomo and his brother Andrew. Really, there really hasn't been much to talk with that guy, because honestly, what else is there to discuss? I mean, there's already enough controversies, there's the whole impeachment stuff. I don't know what else you could really discuss with that with that situation, but the whole thing with this Veritas thing, I mean, I mean, it is a little, 
it is a little juvenile to do that type of stuff, but if it but if it exposes these people for what their real intentions are, yeah, and yeah, it's not hard to see why CNN keeps struggling. Jeez, I mean, I would I would probably give MSNBC a little bit of shit too, but it's not like they they're focused on the news a little bit. Granted, I may not agree with their stuff, but at least they're talking actual news and not doing fluff pieces and not enduring controversy after controversy. I mean, all, I mean, all three networks have their controversies, but for this, for CNN, I mean, one million, like I said, trying to get to one million, like I said, uh, what do you do? Maybe try reporting on actual news. I mean, I don't know if this Chauvin thing will uh, give him a boost or anything like that. I doubt it. But I wouldn't be happy about ratings slacking. I'd be a little concerned because this is a 40-year-old channel that its purpose was to discuss news all, all together. 24-hour news channel. And I'm sure at some point, a lot of people did have a trust in CNN to bring in quality reporting. Now, journalistic integrity now these days is a joke. Especially when you have other channels that have these so-called comedians trying to act like armchair politicians. It, it's, it's a joke. I mean, just the way the media is now these days, it's a fucking joke. Sad, really, too. Really sad. So, I'll definitely talk a little bit of issue um, later on with uh, with with something I just saw recently with with Disney. But moving on, I'll lighten up a little bit with sports. So one of the big things that caught my mind and seeing it on several websites is the retirement of Alex Smith, who last played for uh, the Washington football team this past year. So hanging up the cleats after 16 years in the league, definitely bittersweet ending altogether considering he did end the year with an injury. But his career really began in uh, 2011, even though he was drafted six years prior as the number one overall pick of the 2005 NFL Draft. And this was during a time when San Francisco was doing pretty poorly altogether the last couple of years. They struggled in 03. They looked pretty bad in 04, especially with losing guys like Terrell Owens the year prior. So they look to a guy like Alex Smith, too many quarterback issues, inconsistent play. The only time I think they looked anywhere decent was, I think, 06. And I believe Smith played decent enough, but he struggled a year later. He uh, he had a shoulder injury in 08. Didn't really look anything good. Uh, yeah, like oh, they weren't they weren't eight in a. They were like seven and nine in oh six. Still, he did 
he did okay, nothing grand, but yeah, his numbers weren't anything to write home about. He could throw touchdowns, but just he just wasn't throwing enough yards, and he wasn't playing a full 16 games. And of course, uh, Jim Harbaugh takes over. He has a fantastic year in 2011. 3,100 yards, 17 touchdowns, 5 picks. On its way to having a decent year in 2012, gets hurt. That leads to Colin Kaepernick leading the 49ers to the Super Bowl. He goes to Kansas City. And actually, this is where he, you could argue this was his prime prime years, considering the success they had during his tenure there. He His lowest year was in 2014 with 3,200 yards. 2016, his lowest in touchdowns was 15, but he was never at like 10 interceptions a year or anything like that. Um, so from 2013 to 2017, 7, 6, 7, 8, and 5. Uh, three Pro Bowl nods in Kansas City. Uh, 26 touchdowns thrown in uh, 2017. That was his best. Actually, his career numbers came in uh, 2017 with the 4,000 yards and the 26 touchdowns. He he did decently for Washington, and they were 6-4 and four during his time, and he had a really bad leg injury that drew eerie similarities to uh, Joe Theismann, whose career ended on a... Um, on an on the on an injury that that Smith similarity suffered from, and it resulted in the Washington team. Uh, they looked they looked competitive. They could have been on their way to the playoffs, but they struggled mightily the the end of that year in 2018. They did not look good in 2019. And he had to fight off a lot of infections, Alex Smith. I mean, there was something that his wife Elizabeth did. I forget what it was, but they did. He did. She did something like she got someone like to do like a brace thing, like a I think it modeled like a Super Bowl, like the Lombardi Trophy, as a reminder of how far he has come from. He came from his injury from his injury, and he proved that this past year. His numbers weren't all that great, but to be comeback player of the year, I mean, it says something. Actually, just thinking, you know, for what, you know, just mentioning his wife, I mean, imagine all the stuff that she's had to go through with seeing him with the, like, I think it was like the concussions in 2012, I think it was. The shoulder injury. And just the fact that he could have died from that leg injury and the and the infections that he had, he had, I think it was like what, like twenty surgeries, I think. Like that, I mean, his life could have been lost because of this. But I'm sure he'll find some other good stuff to do. All things considered, I mean, I'm sure there's something down the road for maybe a profession that he has. Who knows. Who really knows? But you know what? As far as a number one draft pick goes, I would say considering the modern standards, kind of a bust. But you know what? His numbers weren't all that horrible. I would say, I mean, arguably, 
ignoring Super Bowls altogether, his stats were much better than a Troy Aikman. Just more, it's just, he learned to play better once 2011 rolled along and just the right kind of plays that and the right kind of coaching altogether. They went through so many coaches and coordinators during his first six years in San Francisco. Granted, he was thrown to the Wolves a little bit in 05, but not really his fault, but just couldn't step up to the level of what they wanted. Still, I mean, pretty respectable. Nothing grand, but nothing too horrible either. So, not much else really I want to discuss with other sports. Uh, Basketball, I mean, honestly, just bringing back the Chauvin thing a tiny bit, there could be potential of uh, uh, games being postponed, especially with how political heavy some of these NBA teams are and I I honestly could see some of this some of these teams not being able to play I could see it happening because think about it if they're going to burn down Minnesota I mean why would anyone want or some of these other big cities I, I just to go quickly with that again for a brief second, I think these people are. I think these cops are going to be much more prepared compared to last summer. I think, as listening to other stuff, I think I think the cops will be better prepared and ready for in case anything truly bad happens because they don't want to repeat of last year unless there's something truly heinous that occurs. But I could see stuff like Laker games being postponed. And that comes with, like, certain teams starting to go on the up and up, like the New York Knicks, for example. Uh, Six in a row. They've won six in a row. And they're actually poised to be potentially a playoff team. I think a lot of it is the uh, way Tom Thibodeau has ran the team. And this is something that, that was noticeable when he coached the Chicago Bulls. They were a young team. They were able to score at times, but they put great emphasis on defense. And that was one of the main things about the Knicks 30 years ago when Pat Riley took over as the coach. There was a lot of emphasis on defense, and that defense was one of the most dangerous teams in the NBA. I think they were, like, number one defense his first year. And even, like, the NBA final year of 94, they were... Number one, if not, at least in the top three. They did a lot of things right. And that's what Thibodeau's doing. But I think the offensive scoring has gotten a bit better. Like They've scored like 110 points the last four games. Uh, Julius Randle, unbelievable. So they could be a force to be reckoned with come playoff time. Still quite a bit of games left, though. They got about... So they're 31 and 27, I think. So 14 games left. I mean, there's some teams that are on that cusp, and it's just a matter of also how well some of these other teams are, like the Brooklyn Nets. I think that's going to be a disaster with the injuries going on with Kevin Durant, James Harden, and all that. It's just, are they even going to be healthy enough to make a stand in this whole super team type thing? I, 
this isn't like what happened 10 years ago with the Miami Heat. Honestly, I can't see them winning a finals. Considering the mental issues of Kyrie Irving, the, the guy needs to start acting more mature and quit being less of a whiny brat. You're getting paid millions of dollars to play basketball. You need to actually put your effort in. Otherwise, get the fuck out of here. And who knows what the deal is with Durant. Durant's been hurt the last couple of years. Just nothing about him. He just hasn't looked... I mean, I'm sure he's still playing well enough, but... Is this going to be like the same Kevin Durant that we saw during his time with Oklahoma and Golden State? I don't know. And really the only thing I had noteworthy for baseball was Justin Turner hitting a home run and, and it landing in a in a fan's nachos and cheese all over his cardigan. That was probably the only good thing. Otherwise, it's just none of the teams really have st- stood out, in my opinion, especially in that AL East. I was just, it got me thinking a little bit um, as far as, like, ballpark food goes for baseball. I feel like, I feel like nachos has become kind of like that ultimate, like, comfort food. It's, you know, because you see it in many places. You go to, like, a roller skating rink, movie theater, you know, what have you. And it's just unbelievable, you know, people going for that stuff. And I enjoy some nachos, by the way. I do like do like having a bit of that tortilla chip, dipping it in some cheese, and mm, crunchy, savory, cheesy. It, it covers all the bases for what you want. If I'm going to a movie theater, that is going to be one of the foods that I'll mostly get if it isn't popcorn. Nothing wrong with popcorn. You see it at baseball stuff, too. I, I just think the issue with popcorn is, I think, the butter aspect of it and and the salt of it. That's why you'll have a drink on hand as well, especially if you're going to a place like a movie theater. That that popcorn, I mean, it's it's I mean, popcorn's delicious. It truly is, but the issue is when you get down to maybe halfway through, your mouth starts to get kind of grossed out by the same thing over and over especially with when it's when you're at that movie theater and their popcorn compared to getting say like a pop secret or act two or orville redenbacher it's not like you can go through a thing of orville redenbacher or pop secret and not feel as disgusted at least in my opinion by the way and not be disgusted by it whereas like a movie theater it's like your mouth gets so dry that you need to have that drink on hand, whether it's soda, water, lemonade. I mean, it's just you 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 need something to quench quench that dryness, you know, that barren desert of your lips. But yeah, back to the nachos, just just for just for another few seconds. Like it's just it's like the the best kind of food it's like it's it can feel like a it can feel like a meal and or it can feel like an appetizer but of course when you're talking baseball what is the ultimate classic the hot dog you think about it the hot dog's been a classic for over a century when you think about it think about it. what place 
in baseball can you think of? And especially for anyone that is interested in staying around for for the whole game. I bet in my I bet in my family's eyes, mostly my father and my older brother, there's nothing better than having a beer and a hot dog at a, at a ball game. Although to be fair, you'll see prices be a bit on the more expensive side, especially if you're going to get something like a beer. And depending on the kind of beer they have, like say a Budweiser or a Labatt Blue or Coors. But, you know, you want something that feels like you're at, you know, that, that, that baseball experience. That's what some adults would want. But, of course, you got your drinks. Depending on what you have, you have, the, you know, the Coca-Cola products, Pepsi products, stuff that will satisfy the, uh, you know, the kids. Or just some water as well if you're, if you're concerned about your child going hyper on, on 10 pounds of sugar. Um, But those are just some of the smaller traditions. What about some other foods that you might think of? What about a chicken tender meal? I've had I've had my share of chicken tender meals, and one of the experiences came at at uh, the Washington Nationals ballpark. Like that was like one of the interesting things. Like it was like that to to go there. It was it was a nice experience in two thousand ten. It was such a nice stadium. It was it, it it felt like a a great experience you could take your family to. You do this stuff with your kids, and hey, here's some decent prices for food. Get some of this. So it's not like a chicken tender meal. Hey, that's dinner. Ch- you know, chicken tenders, fries, a drink. Nothing more satisfying than that. Of course, there's other alternatives to hot dogs. You got stuff like, like hamburgers. You got maybe some unique stuff that a ballpark may typically not have all over the nation. It just depends on what part of the country you're in. But you also have other standards like pretzels and trying to think of. I wonder if any. I would think some places would sell like corn dogs. Of course, ice cream is a standard as well. You got, um, you know, you got some places that will have like a batting helmet, like a miniature batting helmet, and they'll put ice cream in there. And you'll have the stuff in the cone or like ice cream sandwiches. I'm not sure if some places would sell like milkshakes. Probably be a probably a bit too pricey and probably they would either put their resources into um, um, just selling regular ice cream and stuff like ice cream sandwiches. Just think about it and it's just you know, but the, the, the thing I would warn is that you better be aware of your surroundings and keep eye on the game. Otherwise, you'll wind up in a situation where you're trying to defend yourself and <clears throat> cheese all over you. That actually happened uh, six years ago. There was a story put up about uh, Prince Fielder hitting a foul ball. Now, you think the upper deck at a baseball stadium, you're safe there. But you're wrong. Way wrong. 
<laughs> I mean, there's some. I mean, there's times where like the even like broadcasters have to worry about uh, foul balls coming into the studio. <laughs> I think it depends on where they have the broadcasting booth. Yeah, some places. I actually wonder about. Uh, well, like radios. I mean, because there's some places where they'll have it, like right field, left field, whatever. But still, I mean, be aware. And there's some. I mean, there's some interesting food stories. You know, when you think about it. I mean, of course, you got people. I mean, you got players that steal food. Prince Fielder stealing a nacho. Don Mattingly taking a kid's popcorn. <laughs> Hey, these ball players get hungry, and I mean sometimes they'll have, they'll get some food from like the concession stands, and actually if we just briefly get back to Turner, like they felt bad and they gave him a new thing of nachos and some fresh fresh clothes, probably some L.A. Dodger apparel. <laughs> there was some other stuff like um, this was right around this time in '07, uh, Boston Red Sox and the uh, L.A. Angels. Uh, foul ball, I believe an angel was trying to catch the foul ball, goes into the stands, chaos ensues with beer sloshing all over everybody, nothing wrong, and then a guy throws a pizza. Now, pizza is not something I really think of for baseball, Uh, but some places do sell it. I mean, there was a... Okay, no, I've seen, never mind. I was thinking of something else. I, I I feel like there's been maybe like a couple of times where places of baseball stadiums have sold pizza, but it might be wrong. I mean, maybe there is. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, they throw this guy Fenway throws a pizza. I don't know if it was directed at the Angel player or not, or to the fan. He throws it. Jackass gets thrown out. <laughs> Has to leave. I mean, it's stupid. I mean, I mean, there's been. I mean, that's an issue with baseball altogether. I mean, when people throw sports in general, too. By the way, when stuff gets thrown onto a field or directed towards an umpire or a player, it creates a dangerous scenario that you know the fans get unruly. Of course, they're no longer deserving of being in the at the at the game so they get thrown out and rightfully so so yeah i mean don't throw shit and this one probably this one i remember a little bit and i this was for when the twins opened up their new stadium in 2010 so target field one of the things they had was like a minnesota food fair and one of the things they had was a pork chop on a stick. When the Yankees went to um, Minnesota for a three-game set, that was one of the things they focused on a little bit, you know, about the new ballpark. I believe this was the Yankees' first time at Minnesota that year. And, or maybe it was one of those things they came in at one point where they had the food fair, and their reporter, then reporter, for them, Kim Jones has a um, pork chop on a stick. Just talking about it, and there's a Yankee fan that starts taking bites at it. It just it disgusted her, I think, 
Michael K. Uh, actually got disgusted by that as well. It's like that's gotta be nasty. I mean, I think Jones had been holding on to it for like a couple hours, and it. I mean, yeah, I'd be grossed out too. Like, like this is something we're showing, and it may not be good enough to eat. So why are you doing this? <laughs> I believe they just got away from the fan. I don't think he got thrown out, as but I mean, it's a it's a little rude, but nothing that interferes with the game or anything like that. <laughs> uh, so going on with um, TV. So this is something I didn't look at until. Not too long before recording, uh, listening to uh, this this YouTube channel, uh, Clownfish TV, and they focus a bit on stuff relating to to Disney comic books and a lot of other things. And one of the things, because of representation for TV, uh, they there was a thing regarding. Uh, According to like Hollywood Reporter, they discussed the whole thing with they discussed this thing about um, Disney ABC passing up on high quality scripts, high quality scripts of these pilots because they weren't diverse enough. So I guess one of the things that's going on with um, Disney and ABC as a whole is that. They're trying to make make stuff more diverse, I guess, more culturally appropriate, and are trying to make things relate to the ongoing issues in in the world today, you know, relating to race and all that. And that seems like a huge, huge recipe for disaster. Like, it shouldn't matter. I mean, I don't think diversity is a bad thing. I don't. Th- I think. I think when used right, it is fantastic. And if when you make it organic, and you you know it's and make it stand out without it feeling spoon fed and forced down your throat, it can make for really good television. It's not always a bad thing. But with what they're trying to do, I didn't even know this. I didn't know that they were trying to make, that there was plans for a TV show starring Sylvester Stallone and Dolph Lundgren. This was something from like a couple years ago. And they discussed, in this Clownfish TV group, they discussed it. And they had the image of that article it wasn't female focused does everything need to have some form of representation no but I mean it's not like it's like you can't have all your shows looking the same like one of my ideas like it's a shame because this is not something I would want to do I I probably wouldn't want to work for Disney if I'm being honest I feel like some of my ideas would be better suited for a place like Universal or Warner Brothers. I would say Fox if 
it wasn't owned by Disney. And some of these other um, channels and studios and networks. Like, I had this idea for for a TV show uh, about a... Um, about a guy who used to be a cop, used to be a detective, and is now a teacher. No, this isn't like kindergarten cop, but I would love to have like a comedy drama. And one of the guys that I thought about for, you know, like one of, like I, I have a vision for it a little bit. Like one of the guys I wanted to have as my lead guy in my idea is this actor, Aaron Staten who's done stuff like Mad Men, uh, L.A. Noir, and, and several other projects. Like I wanted him to be my lead guy because there's a professional demeanor, and that's one of the things... I mean, I loved his performance as Cole Phelps in in that video game, L.A. Noir. You know, just that, that professional demeanor and... You know, trying to do everything by the book and maybe defying a couple things here and there. That was that was like one of the things. Like, it's like I feel like if I wanted to do some diversity, I would do I would do it through like guest starring. You know, like have specific people come in. You know, whether it's like people that you know, like the character's gonna be like a guidance counselor. So it's gonna be an interesting foray of. You know, whether it's, like, foreign exchange students and, uh, you know, people of various backgrounds. Like, I want the quality of it to be based on how the scripts are written, not because of being forced to put in force diversity. That's the way I view it. You, The quality has to be based on how the script is written, not because you have... Not because you have a white person, a black person, an Asian, Hispanic, all in the same show as your main leads and side characters. I just, I just don't get it. I really don't. Like it, like is this, is this going to be why some people will go to other networks like Universal and? and Warner Brothers and some of these Sony or even or even like Netflix I mean hey more power to these people that get more quality they, they get quality TV and when those shows if they do well get get their chance to win an award or be one of the most viewed projects on Netflix or Tubi or whatever I think I, I think this is something that's gonna bite Disney pretty badly. I, I they they I don't think they realize that there's more to TV than just having diversity. You need to have sure it might be stereotypical for some of these programs, but you know what? The audience is not Twitter. It's not Facebook. It's not any of these social media sites. You know that that's not what people are. You have people that just want to watch something cool. You know they're not always interested in catering, in listening to stuff that's catered for for people who may not even watch the stuff. 
it's, TV is just so fractured now these days that, honest to God, I mean, how well can you do with ratings now these days? It's, it's next to impossible to gauge the, whether these shows are going to do well enough to survive and get a second season, or they just crum, crumble to the ground. But yeah, it's just... Just a shame. Actually, I think Disney has been putting up some other stuff, and there was there were some threats. I think made uh, this was something I actually I wanted to bring up briefly for for a minute regarding Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is like their new Marvel show. It ends in a couple of days, actually. Their mini mini series. And people not liking the way it goes and sending death threats to Wyatt Russell and some of these other people. It's like, it's, that's just, that's, that is an environment I would not want to be involved in. That's just, I mean, out of all, I mean, it, I mean, don't, don't hate the actors, hate the quality of what, of the show. I mean, if you think the show is like crap, criticize the writers. You know, if there's some dictation uh, based on from what the director wanted or other people, then I think it's fair game. But criticize the writing. Good grief. So, very quickly, uh, with movies. So, Godzilla vs. Kong, still number one. The numbers are still kind of... It's not great, but it, it's still showing that people still want to see some of these big movies. It's made over $80 million according to the box office mojo. So, that was number one. The next closest was $2.5 million from the Bob Odenkirk film, Nobody. Uh, rounding out the top five was The Unholy, and movies from a month or two ago. Ray and the Last Dragon, and Tom and Jerry. I'm kind of surprised those two are still in the top five, especially Tom and Jerry. Considering the negativity of Tom and Jerry right now, I think this has been a problem with like Warner Brothers at times. Like, Not a lot of people were keen on uh, Scooby-Doo 20 years ago, but they, they did really well in the box office. Actually, I was just thinking that for other Hanna-Barbera stuff. The 94 Flintstones movie. A lot of people hated that, but that did really well in theaters. And if I'm being honest, I don't think the movie's that bad. It may be dumb at points, but I think they nailed it down pretty well. And I think they did pretty well with the casting of Fred and Barney. I mean, John Goodman and Rick Moranis. That's that's actually not a bad duo. But $350 million altogether for uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. And that, that, that says something. You'd think the numbers would be down a little lower, especially as COVID cases have gone up once again. Like I said, at Michigan being the epicenter and just not a pretty sight. But I would think people will get their chances to you know get vaccinated if they feel like they, they want to be vaccinated. It just just follow the rules. 
just keep following them, and hopefully the pandemic ends very soon. But still, I mean, there's a lot of optimism. That's why last week there was the announcement of Paramount delaying a number of their movies. I mean, I think people are prepping up for when the fall things will get back to normal, but whether that rings true or not, we'll have to see what happens. Excuse me. So lastly, I'll end with PlayStation and Nintendo video games. So, earlier in the month, there was an announcement being made about the potential of PlayStation shutting down storefronts for their PlayStation 3, PlayStation Portable, and PlayStation Vita. And they announced that at the start of the month. So people were... A number of people online were really pissed about it. And... I mean, I get it, but it's like, this these, this stuff has been old, and like, why should these companies continue to put money into a service that barely anybody's using? Well, they kind of have reversed course with um, Sony CEO uh, Jim Ryan talking about it. and So, for now, the PlayStation 3 and PS Vita stores are still going to be around. So, I mean, it's, I mean, you know, good on them. I don't really have a horse on this, but it definitely helps the Vita, because the Vita definitely would have gotten the biggest shaft, because it's a system that didn't really do all that well. You could make the argument it was a pretty big failure, and you really can't find physical copies of these games in stores. A lot of the games are digital, so that was going to affect it pretty, pretty badly. Yeah, PS3, I mean, it's, sure. I mean, there's still a lot of stuff people haven't discovered, not to mention the PS1 classics and the PS2 games. Um, the... The PSN stuff, I mean, there's a lot of PSN stuff that you can't get anywhere else. PSP, I'm not surprised that it's still being... That's the one that's still being shut down in July. I'm a little confused on that, I think it, because I think it might be... Because you could still get games for the uh, PSP uh, on the PS3 and Vita stores. The... Uh, The thing is, I don't think you're really losing much with the PSP. It's not really that many titles overall. You're only losing, I think, like a couple hundred games, and it's a lot. And it's games, yeah, I mean, it sucks that they're being gone, but if I'm being really honest, they're they're games. Most of the the digital stuff, are people even going to remember this stuff in 10, 20 years' time? Probably not. Now that's not that's not to say these games are all bad quality, but it's just they just don't carry the same amount of weight compared to what you see on the PS3 and the Vita. But I still have my concern because the potential of shutting down next year could be there. 
And the same thing will apply to the Xbox 360, the 3DS, the Wii U, and everything after that. I mean, I'll be willing... I, I mean, I wonder if the 3DS and Wii U stuff would be shut down before the uh, PS3 does. Knowing Nintendo gives up kind of easily at times. Uh, but yeah, I mean, good on them. I mean, still able to play a number of games that you wouldn't have otherwise. Um, still, I I would still have that worry. And I would still, if I were to focus on, if, if you were to still focus, this is what I would do. I said this before, uh, focus on digital only first and look at games that you know are expensive physically and see the price of them digitally and if it makes a heck of a difference between spending a game that is 6 to $10 versus spending $70 on a game physically. Now, I mean, having it physically, it's nice to have, but... That's a, that's an issue altogether, especially with that Super Mario Brothers uh, NES game going for over six hundred thousand. It's become hard to to buy games, you know, buy used games of these older systems, whether it's NES, Super NES, Sega Genesis. There's a guy I work with. He got into the Sega Saturn like way before prices ballooned so badly. I mean, you could easily sell something like a Panzer Dragoon Saga for like 800 bucks or more. And of course, I mean, the pandemic certainly doesn't help. With people uh, raising prices and trying to, you know, fear of missing out, that they'll never get these games, you know, at a, at a store, yada, yada, yada. Um, but, I mean, like I said, I would have a little bit of worry... But, for now, things are fine for PS3 and, and the Vita. Especially Vita. Now, there's always that worry about companies not making uh, titles for specific franchises. And one of those involves uh, Nintendo. So, there was something said from someone that used to work at, at Nintendo. And it involved the F-Zero series. So F-Zero actually turns 30 uh, here in the States. It was a launch game. The first game was a launch game for the uh, Super NES. And it was a futuristic racer. It took advantage of the uh, Mode 7 capabilities. And it was a game that relied on fast speed and some quick turning and all that. And it was a series that did reasonably well on the Super NES. The fact that it got a, it actually got a uh, re-release in the mid '90s to the point where it had like an E rating label on some of its uh, copies because it released so late. It was re-released so late on the uh, on the system. So there was a designer at Nintendo. Look at comicbook.com. Reveals why F-Zero hasn't gotten a new game. Uh, I'm just going to go somewhere else because they had a video they are going to load. And this is from over the last couple days. Let's see, cbr.com. Takeya Imamura recently stated 
This is from CBR.com. That F-Zero needs a design gimmick to be revived. This speaks to Nintendo's underlying issues. Without a grand new idea, it's hard to bring it back. That's what he said. Um, so, from the article, quote, This dovetails Shigeru Miyamoto's comments from several years back when he reinforced the necessity for F-Zero to return solely in the context of a new gimmick or gameplay concept. Of course, F-Zero doesn't need that. This is yet another reminder of Nintendo's myopic, contra- contradictory view of the tension between innovation and iteration. So, basically, they want to keep reinventing the wheel with, with F-Zero. Just make a competent game, you know? There's nothing wrong with feeling similar to a previous release. Now, should you shake it up a little bit? Yes, but not 100%. Put in some new stuff that you think will make people appreciate. And if it doesn't work, try another thing. And, you know, granted, it doesn't need to be the most inventive thing, but try something different. It just sucks that Nintendo used to be all about racing games at times. Like, Super NES era, there was like Dirt Track, FX, uh, Uniracers, Super Mario Kart, obviously. And then you look at some of the stuff. You know, even when they had Rareware, you had like Diddy Kong Racing and uh, Wave Race, you know, Mario Kart 64, F-Zero 64X, whatever it was called. Like, or even like 1080 Avalanche and 1080 snowboarding, like, 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 they tried multiple things. Now, the only thing they give a shit about is Mario Kart. And that's a travesty. It's like, there's a lot of companies that, that have franchises that are dormant. But I think Nintendo is one of the absolute worst when it comes to, uh, reviving franchises. Because there was, like, example, Kid Icarus. There was a game on the NES in 86, 87, Sequel for the Game Boy in 91. 20 years later, it gets a 3DS game sequel. Uh, you have the Punch-Out! series. You, it started in the arcades. Then you have the Mike Tyson game in 87. The re-release with Mr. Dream in 90. Uh, Super Punch-Out! in 94 for Super NES. Uh, then the 09 Punch-Out! game for the uh, for the Wii. Nothing since. Yet they, yet they punch out these uh, constant Mario, Zelda, and Pokemon games. You know, and they make some new stuff too. I mean, there's the Arms game that came out, and obviously Splatoon has been a big deal. But it's like this more kitty type stuff compared to trying other types of projects, like. Why not go back and do an, another Eternal Darkness? Like, there are there are still some untapped material. People want just want to see some games. People want to see more of the same. You know, they don't need they don't need innovation all the time to to have a good game. And it did make me think a little bit, like some series, like in regards to Sony, I'd love to see like a futuristic Jet Moto. I think there's a grand idea that grand idea idea there when they made those games for the PlayStation in the mid to late 90s. Imagine having that and being similar. I think the problem would be being similar to Wipeout a little bit. But think about it. 
these motor these these motorbikes, motorbikes, whatever futuristic type bikes. Why not? I think it would work great. And you add in that cheesy music. I mean, it'd just be fantastic. Uh, and actually, there were some there were some uh, revivals. I was just gonna say just now. It just I was like, I actually forgot about it. So Sega is having some of their franchises come back, or at least bringing back um, some some dormant ones. And one of them is a Alex Kidd game. This is actually something I don't think I brought up. Uh, this is this is something I didn't bring up at one point. I actually wanted to talk about it last week, but. So, Alex Kidd was one of the very first games for for Sega when they brought the Sega Master System to to the States. And it was a game that released in uh, 86, the first game in Miracle World. And it was a distinctive game. It wasn't... Like, it had, it had a character that was easy to... Uh, to recognize uh, my thoughts on some of the games uh, I've played Enchanted Castle not on the original Genesis but on several compilations uh, I've played on emulator uh, Miracle World and from what I've played it's just okay the issue I have with those games is their focus on on paper rock scissors called Jenkin. J-A-N-K-E-N. So, it's getting a re-release and redone called uh, Alex Kidd and Miracle World DX. So, Deluxe. So, I've, I've seen some images and it, and it looks beautiful. Like, it's... like it's It looks hand-drawn and it just... There's something mesmerizing. I mean, it's... I mean, it was a game that really showcased the potential of what the Master System could have done for being such an early title for that system. And to be able to redo it, it looks it looks amazing. So, this is from MergeGames.com talking about some features. So, new modes, like a classic mode. I, I think that might be with the Paper, Rock, Scissors. If, if Paper, Rock, Scissors is forced in all those stuff, I don't see this being a a good reception. And there was actually a... Re- there was, someone did like a hack and did a Alex Kidd and Miracle World 2 and it was basically more of a pure platformer and it didn't rely on Paper, Rock, Scissors as as boss fights or anything like that. Um... So alternate boss fights. So I, I hope this does. I hope this becomes something different. I don't know. It's supposed to be coming out. I think on everything. Coming out for PS4, PS5, Xbox One, I believe. Xbox Series S and X, I believe it's also. And of course, it's going to be on the uh, Switch. So I see remake. Yep, on everything and the PC. 
So I, I you know, people do appreciate it, but it's definitely one of those games. I'm not seeing what's so special. But I'll tell you one thing that was pretty special is something like the House of the Dead. So it's a series of light gun games Sega made throughout the 90s and early um, 2000s. It, it was basically... This was right around when like zombie stuff started to get uh, big, for, at least for video games. Like This came out around the time of um, Resident Evil. Actually, I want to look into that a little bit. I want to see when this actually came out, like 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 exactly when it came out. So, late 96, so this came out after Resident Evil. So basically, you're shooting stuff, you play as an agent, going through uh, Crazy Man's uh, lab uh, mansion, I believe, as well. So, huge hit for the uh, arcade, especially at a time when the... Uh, when the arcade scene was starting to die off. And it hasn't seen really any major releases since 1998. So it came out for the Sega Saturn. It was one of the very last games for that system. From what I heard, it had graphical issues. Maybe some slowdown a little bit too. It also came out for Windows 95, 98 I believe. I'm not, I'm sure if, I'm not sure if it was for Windows 98 as well, but it did come out around the end of 98. So the fact that it's getting a remake, it gives people a reason to to get into it again. I mean, it really gives exposure to the original game. So I mean, that's nice. It's expected to be on the Switch, but whether that makes it to other systems or not, I do not know. So let's see. 50-inch monitor for one of those. Damn, that is amazing. Saturn, Saturn version is well-received. So, I don't know what really else to... But yeah, it was this and Resident Evil that brought together, you know, why zombie games have done pretty well. So, Fast Zombies. Actually, I'm surprised it never became a, a big thing. So, several Resident Evil stuff, uh, 28 Days Later, Dawn of the Dead. I've seen bits and pieces of that Dawn of the Dead remake. That's actually, I've heard some good things about it. I actually heard there might be plans for, uh, excuse me, actually I want to let's see who is developed, because it's a, because it's a different developer working on it, not Sega solely, but, you know, it's cool to see see that coming back, and heard someone that they might try and do the second game, which, hey, but good enough time. There was also plans, I guess there's like a leak for like a Sonic uh, Colors remaster. So, Sonic Colors, it's one of... Regarded as one of the better Sonic games over the last 10 years, it was exclusive to the uh, Nintendo systems, uh, the DS and the Wii. So, it potentially, it's going to get a re-release for the Switch, PC, PlayStation systems, and 
in Xbox systems. I don't know how true that is or not, but hey, getting more people exposed to a good Sonic game, why not? Especially with how people feel about uh, some of those games around that time. I mean, Unleashed, I don't think it was that bad. I like the Werehog levels more than the daytime levels. So I'm pretty much the opposite of most people with that game. Um, Generations, I think, was pretty good. Uh, really, the only the last game I really truly played was Mania. Mania was a really good game. Uh, actually, I, I take that back a little bit. I did play a little bit of Forces. I don't think Forces is that bad. It's just, it's there. Uh, I, I've enjoyed it for what it is in some spots. So, yeah. So, end this episode right about here, so wrap up episode 72 of Geeks and Jacks. This podcast is on Anchor.fm, but you can also find it on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and Breaker. Head on down to the sites for more Geeks and Jacks fun. So with that, Ryan Sullivan, hope to hear your listeners on the next podcast. Stay safe, stay protected, be aware of what is going on. Take care, everyone.